Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is a Scott Score podcast. Today I'm joined by Lumsden boss David Martindale. We speak about Livy's success so far this season, their chances of finishing in the top four, how VAR has been so far in Scottish football, all this and so much more. Enjoy the show. So David, thank you very much for doing this again, mate. I appreciate it. No problem. Right, so we'll just dive right into it. And first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on winning Manager of the Month. That must have been a nice moment for yourself. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good. It's good to get recognised, but the, the awards really are team awards, aren't they? They're, they're for the players and all the staff. I'm just the lucky individual that picks it up and gets his name on it. But no, nah, it's uh it's recognition recognition of everyone at the football club, to be fair. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And then you played QPR yesterday, who are a very solid championship side. That must have been a good workout for your players. Ah, it was, yeah. They put a really two strong teams out. Um, probably took us 15 minutes to get to grips with the game. I thought the intensity of how they moved the ball and how they pressed was very, very good. Their movements, rotations, combinations all very good. But we more than held our own. Um, made a few good chances in the first half ourselves, which we should have probably done better with. We found ourselves 2-0 down in the first half, but we had two or three very good chances ourselves. Um Probably got to do better with them, to be fair. Second half, both teams changed nine players, but it was still two very strong teams. Um, we got ourselves back in the game and made it 2-1, got a stonewall penalty denied. And probably a better team in the second half. Um, Big Linden played the second half against us, so that was nice. Um, and we managed to get a young boy who was playing grassroots football six months ago in Livingston, just with one of the local boys' clubs. Managed to get him 10 minutes on the park at Loftus Road yesterday. He's now playing with your 18, so that was a good day. Yeah, that must have been nice for you to catch up with Lyndon. Ah, brilliant. I've not seen Lyndon face-to-face when was it? I caught him at a, it was a Hearts game and the, the Scottish boys were... It was a Scotland 21s game that the Scotland seniors came to when they were at the Orium at Tynecastle. So I'd seen him maybe eight months ago, something along the lines, but... Yeah, it was really, really good to catch up with him because I've not seen him face to face and it was nice to see him back in our environment uh, on the park with the staff, big Marv stretch, stuff like that and the change room with the boys and Cheb and Andy and stuff. So it was uh, it was really, really good to catch up with him. Uh, would you say a month break from football has been beneficial to the players? It's not really a month break, is it? Like, because you're still training. So boys got boys got a wee bit of time off. I can only speak for me. I don't know how everybody else sees it. Um, time will tell. Going back into it, if there's a wee, you might find there's some hamstring muscle injuries coming back into this if boys haven't done it right off the park. So we only gave the boy nine days off. We've been back in training since last Tuesday. Boys are off today. We go away to Turkey on Friday. Then we've got two games in Turkey. So your boys really have only had nine days off. Yeah, because when you look at the old firm, like players have been dropping like flies because they've been having to play two games a week. But obviously, like in your case, it's only just been one, two, like after that. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that one. If you look at it, right, the old firm never played any Premier Sports Cup. Uh, no, the Premier, what's it called? Yeah, that's now? true, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, at the start of the season, it's not uh, the chat, the League Cup, sorry. If, yeah. It changes. I think it changes its title every six months. Um. I'm still calling it the bet, Fred. <laughs> so, at the start of the season, the old firm never had a game in the first league game. Competitive. Yeah. Competitive where the rest is they played four games. Um, I think Hearts as well. Hearts were 
Ooh, no, they had two qualifiers, didn't they? Yeah. Dun- Dungeon 80 to two games against Altmer. Then they were out. So, now, at the start of the season, we had a wee bit more games in the old firm and then when they went into the Champions League stages, obviously they caught up and they played a little bit more. And obviously the level of the opponent never plays a is far greater than what we were probably facing in the, the League Cup. So it swings and roundabouts and it's how you manage that squad. And it's for me, it's all about your training loads and your, your playing loads. And if you can get that balance correct. And again, I think you've got to be a wee bit lucky. You've got to, wee bit, you've got to be, be a little bit lucky with injuries. You look at Hearts and there's a really a lot you could have done for Hearts because a lot of their injuries were contact injuries. So they're... You can't do anything about a contact injury. Um, muscle injuries, you can look at the training loads and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. So uh, we're very good in how we are, how we operate at the club. I'm very big and we don't like peaks, we don't like troughs, and we try and stay in that kind of middle area. So there's no many too highs and lows in terms of the training loads and what they do with uh, what the boys do in a training week. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned the League Cup there. See the format with the group stage. Are you a fan of it? Or would you like to see it right to like changed? No, nah, don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. I'd probably if you ask me my personal preferences, I think I think teams that probably maybe know so much for sales, but lower league teams should be a hundred percent allowed to play trialist and and I'm probably looking at a championship down there. They're just getting their squads together. They're still trying to find their squads as part-time teams. Um, so I think it would be far more beneficial to allow um, trialists to play in the group stages of the, the League Cup section. I Debatable if that should apply to the Premier League teams who have got a wee bit more financial muscle and who can afford to keep a wee bit bigger squad, so to speak. But I definitely feel it would be a lot more competitive and a bit more useful for the lower league teams if they were allowed to uh, play trialists in it. Yeah, and uh, you're having a good season so far, David, sitting fourth on the table. What would you attribute that success to? Um, Just the collective at the club continuity. This is me going into this. I think this is my 10th season going into No, this is my ninth going into my 10th season. So lucky that we've got continuity now. Last year, it was a big turnaround in terms of the playing squad and uh, staff um, recruitment, to be honest. We'd lost two or three vital members of staff and we'd lost a huge amount of players. This year, we've managed to keep the majority of the players we wanted to keep in the building. Only one probably that I could say hand in heart that I lost that I would have liked to have kept was probably Alan Forrest. And in terms of staff, um, I brought in Gary Malley as a goalie coach, just purely through um, my relationship with Gary over the last 25 years. It was no, not a reflection on Stuart Gardner, who was here the previous year. Um, so really, really happy with the staff at the club, really happy with the continuity we've kept in the playing and staff department. I think that's been crucial. What would you say has been the standout results uh, so far in the season? Results for us? Yeah, the standout results so far. Um... I think there's really one sticks in my mind, I think. Nice way to win a game of football, come on, look away. 2-1 down, and we managed to steal a late winner. Um, that was probably one that, in the changing room, is very buoyant, very buoyant. Um, so it's probably come on, look away. 
Yeah, and uh, I was going to say this as well. I was at the Rangers game where you drew one each, and I thought you were very unlucky not to win that game. That game felt like a defeat, to be honest. Felt like a defeat. Um, tried, had to lift the boys after that game in the change room. Uh, we were really, really unlucky, but we played roughly around 20 minutes, 15 minutes plus with the injury time, the VAR time. We played a lot of that game with 10 men. Unlucky not to come away with three points, but when Rangers scored that equaliser, we done well to hang on and get a point. But that was um, the first game of VAR. Came to bite me in the bum, so to speak, because I think in a normal game, it's a yellow card and we keep keep 11 men on the park. We keep 11 men on the park. They probably win that game in football. But I think VAR's going to have a big outcome in a lot of games this season. And then we'll get into the, going to VAR later on, but see, going back to that game, Rangers hit 73 crosses and at the box and your defence were just eating them up. Crosses don't win you games of football. They help you win games of football, but you've got to have somebody getting on the end of them. Um, gave up areas, certain areas of the part that I was more than happy to concede that territory. Um, and the game plan worked just about to perfection, you could say. Um, the boys... Tactically, were brilliant on the day. Defended their eighteen-yard box, caused a few problems for ourselves. Again, I think the dynamics of the game changed. I think we became a little bit safe in the game after scoring an early goal. We then defended that lead, whereas I think the longer the game, this sounds a wee bit strange, but I don't think it helped us either because I think we could have been a wee bit more aggressive in terms of our positioning. As the game was at no, no, we could have been trying to find that winner. I think the scoring so early, naturally the boys defended a wee bit deeper and then it became a, to be honest, it was a wee bit comfortable. The goalkeeper never really had a lot of big saves to make. Generally, when you go to Ibrox Parkhead, you can, you're watching the game through your fingers at times with the amount of shots the opponents have in the goal and the keeper's pulling off save blocks in the line, so to speak, but it wasn't really one of the games. It was a game that we gave up territory that we knew, but we were happy giving up. And uh, what would you say your chances are of finishing the top four this season? Um, need a wee bit of luck there as well, to be fair, but as good as everybody else outside the top three. Don't ask me who the top three is going to be, but at this point in time, I'd say your top two is banged on me. Rangers, um, sorry, Celtic, probably Rangers. And then I'd probably, go, my gut's telling me hearts at this point in time, if they can get all those, get all, Robbie can get all his play, uh, players back, albeit Jim's doing a, Fantastic job at Aberdeen. And between the rest is, I don't think there's much in it at all, to be fair. I just try to stay as high up that league as possible. Yeah, because it is very tight uh, just now, so it is in the league. It's like it's, anyone can get it. But what would it mean to you, Davey, if you were to, able to bring European football to Livy? It'd probably be my proudest moment in football. And since coming into Livingston, we've had a few of them. Um, back-to-back promotions, taking the team to the League Cup final, winning the Betfred, uh, the Petrofac at the time, the Challenge Cup. Um, so we've had a few very, very big moments here, but taking Livingston to European football would be incredible. It would it'd probably be my finest moment for me personally. Me to think of my wife, my daughter, potentially family members, the players or families travelling to watch Livingston in Europe, that kind of would fill me with a lot of pride. Yeah, and uh, the January window is obviously coming up. Um, could we see you making any transfer business? Uh, transfer business, if so, what areas would you like to strengthen in? 
we would probably offensive areas more so than anything else. Probably looking at one defensive area. Um, there's probably two or three boys that are looking to go out and loan, so we need to try and work that one. And then there's not a lot of money to spend. To be honest, that's probably one of my tightest windows in terms of budget. So I've not got a lot of money to spend, so I don't think I'm going to be that active in the January window. Albeit in saying that, if I can maybe try and get two or three out, I can then try and get two or three in, but that's a wee bit easier said than done. And uh, Lee Griffiths has been training with you since returning from Australia. Was there ever a possibility, David, that you like, could have signed him? No, no, Lee, I, I never had. I wasn't looking for Lee's profile first and foremost. Two, probably couldn't have afforded him. And three, it's not really a position I'm needing. I've got a, I've got Bruce Anderson, Joel Nubley and Curtis Goffrey. I've got three number nines in the building. The last thing I want to try and do is bring another number nine into the building. So it was never really a viable option um, in my part. And I kind of explained that to Lee. I just wanted to try and help Lee get fit and get him into playing football as soon as possible. And that's still still the objective at this point in time. Yes, I've seen today that he's uh, linked with Morton, so he is. I think that would be a good move for him. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know him and Dougie have spoke previously, but I couldn't tell you anything about that. And then also you're speaking about uh, Nubley there. Uh, he's been one of your standout players this season. So is there any chance that he could go in January if the right offer came in? Nope. That's fair enough. Fair no, enough no, no, not at all. <laughs> um, and obviously you've got uh, Steny in the Scottish Cup. I imagine yeah. you're going to give that a real good goal this season. Yeah, it's probably been one of my biggest disappointments in my full nine years at Livingston. Nine years at Livingston, the biggest disappointment's probably been the Scottish Cup. Had a lot of success personally in the Scottish Cup at amateur level. Out with that, junior level and professional level, not as successful. And it's one of the areas that, do you know what, we need to kick on a wee bit. I would like to kick on personally, but for Livingston Football Club, we really, really need to kick on and try and progress a wee bit more in that competition. I think we were one game away for the quarterfinals or one game away for the semis. Maybe when Aberdeen went to a penalty shootout a couple of years ago. I can't remember if it was the last 16 or the last the last eight of the quarterfinals. One away for Hamden, but um, we went out in the penalty shootout late on. And uh, well, late on, it's a penalty shootout. <laughs> but... Um, that was probably, Scottish Cup's been one of the biggest disappointments for me. And obviously you were talking about VAR earlier on there, Davey. Um, how do you think VAR has been in Scottish football so far? Listen, go with the flow. I think it's going to be good for Scottish football. I think it's been it's been good for Scottish football. It's helping the officials. I think we've got to iron out the handball issue because at this point in time, it's, 99% of handballs in the box are given his penalties. Now, if that's the road we're going down, as long as that's consistent throughout the season. But what I'm finding is it's not, it's the consistency we're missing from the handball. It seems to be that 99% of handballs are penalties. Um, if you've probably showed a lot of these handballs back, most managers would debate over whether they thought it was a, a penalty or not. Because I'm not saying the rules are changing, but how people, the context of the rules and how people are perceived the rules are, are so ambiguous and that's what we need to change. There needs to be a wee bit more clear and concise rules with the handballs in the box. 
Yeah, hundred percent. When you even seen it in the the Portugal Uruguay game, it's like there's nothing the boy could have done there. Like what, like, and it's just so inconsistent nowadays. You look at the what one was it? I was watching the Celtic one. Who was the defender? Was it BH? I think no, it was no, Michael no. Smith. It was Michael Smith that handballed it. Uh, no, the one Celtic got given against them with Dungeon United at Parkhead. Remember this? I remember. Uh, Fletcher. Was it Fletcher's went up for the header? Think about it. Think about it. Mean. And his hands were back. The ball went over the defence. I can't remember who the left back was. It wasn't Taylor. Who's the Who's the left back? The uh, Burnaby. Yeah. Is it Burnaby? Yeah. Balls went over Burnaby's head, and Fletcher's headed it, and Burnaby did not even turn round. It's it. Fletcher's headed it off his hand. Now, what I would say is the header's probably going in and target, but it's a harsh one on the defender. What can the defender do there? We've had a couple ourselves two in our Aberdeen game. And the last one we fits, he's went up for the header and his hands are in here and he's went up for the header and it's hit the Aberdeen player and hit his hand with his hand in here. It's like, there's nothing he can actually do. So I just think we need to clear that up slightly because I think the interpretation from the dugouts and the fans and the players on the park is a little bit different from the VAR officials in the office watching the game. And I think we've got to be really, really careful that the game's not getting refereed by an external referee sitting in a VAR office. We're still, I don't think we want to get away from the referee making decisions in games. Yeah, I think VAR so far has been fine. I think it's been okay. But the thing that's frustrating me is like how long it takes for the referee to make a decision. I remember, I think it might have been the Celtic game, I'm not too sure, but it took like four or five minutes for the, for the decision to get made. And I know it's a work in progress, but that's one issue that needs to be rectified, I think. but... It's a work in progress, but why is it taking so long? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, like, I, I don't get why it's taking so long. Let's get at making these decisions quicker. Let's make decisions quicker. Or do you know what? Get the ref over to the monitor far quicker. And let yeah. the ref make the decision. Let the actual referee in the game make the decision. Get the two or three angles for them. Bang. Let them see it and then let them go. And try and get that process a wee bit quicker. So, nah, I'd agree with you on that one. Hopefully that's going to... It's going to get a wee bit more fluid, as in the more we use VAR, but I still don't really quite understand why it's taking so long. Yeah, and obviously you see in the World Cup, they've got this new thing where they, they added on time, where it's like 10 minutes added on, like 8 minutes added on. Would you like to see that in Scottish football? Well, that's what we've been getting, is it, no? <laughs> we were playing Rangers there about 5 o'clock at Ibrox. Um, so I've, it's just, do you know what? It's became the norm. Became the norm. You're now looking at 90s opening a lot. How much added time? Six, seven, eight, nine minutes. So you're nearly playing to 100 minutes now. You're in the, the house with the World Cup on. You're away making a cup of tea and you turn around and the, the clock's sitting at 100 minutes and you're like, God, it's just football evolving, I suppose. We'll just need to get like, uh, used to it. Yeah. And uh, I want to ask you about the, this, uh, the SFB have introduced new heading guidelines where players yeah. are not allowed to head their balls in training before and after match day. What do you make of that? I think you've got to go with the guidelines, but we've got to be very, very careful here. Got to be very, very careful. I think heading plays a large part of football. Yeah. And we can't be getting away from that. But again, we've got to listen to the clinical studies that's been done. Um, but to be honest, we do very, very little heading the footballs on a weekly basis anyway, other than the match day. Like it's not, it's probably not an area that we actually spend a lot of time working on. 
like clipping balls into the back four and asking them to head it. We, we don't really do a lot of that, to be honest. So it's not really going to have a major impact in our training regime and how we go about training. So I think we've got to be very, very careful. Um, I think football at this point in time, we're looking at these studies that's been done where the parts were a lot heavier, the balls were a lot heavier. And you're looking at the balls now, they're a lot lighter, the parts are a lot better, i.e. they're not carrying, they're not fully mud and water and the balls are soaking that in. So back back then when that was uh, it was causing problems or is still causing problems. I think the balls were a lot heavier also. So a modern day ball. But again, we've got to listen to the the doctors, the scientists, wherever these studies are coming from. But gotta be very, very careful that this isn't going to be part of football that's going to be having to come away from football because it plays a huge part in 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 football. Yeah. And uh, just to finish off, Davey, obviously the World Cup's on and it's meant to be Ronaldo and Messi's last one. So I'll ask you this. Who thinks better, Ronaldo or Messi? Um, depends what I was looking for, if I'm honest. Does it have to be a better one? How can you know just both be brilliant? I know, it's always a, it's always a, a very like, heated debate, this one. <laughs> it's like, like, but for me, right, it depends where you are and what you're needing. Ronaldo in his prime. Ronaldo probably, his numbers, his data was slightly better than what Messi does. But again, if you're looking for that ball carrier, you're looking for someone who can play in that wee pocket of space, Ronaldo was probably more a winger, number nine later on, whereas Messi plays a wee, a wee bit more central, a wee bit inverted. So I'd take both of them. So you're sitting on the fence? I'm not sitting on the fence because I don't understand why you need to make I've never been up for that debate where who's better than the other one. I think the two of them are fantastic, fabulous footballers and that's kind of how I see both of them. And uh, who do you think will win the, the World Cup? Um, do you know what? Sitting debating that today as well. I've I've watched the World Cup, right, but I've not actually sat in great detail and watched it. It's been on. I found myself, I think I'll get more immersed in the World Cup when you get back to the quarterfinal stages. Yeah. The bigger games coming, you start seeing now the bigger teams and the bigger players. Um, I think you will see someone like a USA or Japan getting to the quarterfinals, semi-finals potentially. I think it was a career done out with Hiddink years and years ago. Remember that? I think yeah. you're going to get a surprise nation. Who's going to win it? Not really overly sure. No overly sure of Spain, France, something along the line. Brazil, I think Neymar. Is Neymar out for the tournament? Um, he'll be no, he's he's gonna be back for the last 16. Is he gonna be back? So for me, if I had to hang my hat, I'd probably say Brazil. Yeah, I agree. I think it's theirs to lose. Um what the players... back because yeah. I think they missed him in the last game and he wasn't there, they missed him. Yeah. Um, you look at their bench, it's incredible. Oh I know, I know. Absolutely incredible. Like I'm no great with football outside of Scotland, to be honest, <laughs> like with players and data and names, because I'm not immersed in Scottish football. I look at the, the Brazilian team, I know every one of them, and I look at their bench, I know every one of them. I don't think there's probably a nation in world football where I, me personally, could look at that 20-odd list of players and know who every single one of them are. You look at their, their sub-bench, it's incredible. Incredible. Yeah, you're, just having, you're just having an incredible season at Arsenal and Rich Allison's playing. It's, it's, I, I just think their squad's fantastic and it's fully talent. Oh, yeah, 100%. Thank you very much to Davey for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure to speak to him. 
If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they are available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, guys, take care, and I'll see you soon.